Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson, and everybody, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. I am your underfished host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and it is a pleasure to have you hanging with us tonight. Now, Stan, Wendy, and I were all out on assignment, but we have a fresh recorded show for you. I've spent the past week at Lake Havasu covering the One Bass U.S. Open, and I've got to tell you, it was a barn burner. We have interviews from uh, a lot of the fellas that fished in day two, and then also a lot of the guys that were on the hot seat vying for first place on day three. So... I hope you enjoy these things. Now, some of them are kind of rough because we were doing, especially on the second day, these interviews in winds that exceeded 40 miles an hour. So I might have some wind noise in some of these interviews, so please put up with it. But I think you're going to enjoy a lot of the insight from the 2016 One Bass U.S. Open at Colvel Bay at Lake Mead. So... We'll have Ben take it away for now, and I'll be talking with you at the end of the show. So thanks for listening. Ben, take it away. And we're at the weigh-in for the second day of the U.S. Open, and uh, early results in. It's been a tough day, but we are with San Diego and Mike Walsh, and Mike came in with an epic fish today for Lake Mead. Mike, welcome to the show. Tell us, what was the weight on that fish? You remember? Yeah, it was uh, 7.76 pounds. Holy mackerel. Thank you, John. I appreciate you having me. That's a, that's a great fish. Tell us uh, how you caught it. Uh, well, it was uh, kind of up in a, up in a little you know, small, small pocket and a clay bank with a little bit of rock mixed in and just on a little uh, crawdad imitation uh, jig. And... Um, it was it was my first keeper of the day. We only managed two fish, but it was it was a monster. Put up an epic fight and uh, jumped twice. Uh, cleared the trolling motor and height both times of the jump, and then uh, we scooped it up and we were ecstatic. I mean, I was shaking. I could barely barely tie you know retie my line and stuff, and uh, we we're just so excited. And unfortunately, we couldn't put together you know a, a limit, but we managed another fish, and I guess it you know. Were you getting bit on that jig though, or was that um, a it actually? Thing? It was actually um, pretty much like a one-time deal. After that, the wind 
is just really nasty right now and it came up really bad and it's not a real heavy bait it's got a it's got a weight already in it so i can't really adjust it and um so unfortunately i mean it had a short window of opportunity and and uh i i guess i capitalized right time going to the right spot and i just i had a feeling to go over there and there were already a couple boats that went through and uh, i just had the urge i had to you know go try it and and it, it worked out you know well you had uh, two fish that went uh, over eight and a half pounds what's going to be your uh, your strategy on uh, wednesday the last day uh definitely i you know i struggled both days the weather's been really bad and different um from when i pre-fished but definitely go out and hunt for a you know squeaker limit if i have to just to try and get a decent bag and you know anything big that comes by is going to be a, a bonus well so. you know right now not only big uh, fish for the day but man in the running and you've got my vote for big fish of the tournament a lot of option money there so congratulations on that mike and let's hope that we're talking to you again on wednesday for a big bag i hope so thank you john i appreciate it all right Okay, we're still at the second day of the open. Weights are really low. And here's one guy that smashed them yesterday and come the second day. I don't know. Jimmy Reese. Jim, how you doing? Uh, well, I've had better days, that's for sure. i got a little piece of humble pie today. Uh, this uh, lake, as uh, we all say, is the great equalizer. First day, though, was mm-hmm. outstanding for you. Now, we're going to mm-hmm. be broadcasting on Sunday night, so you can tell us a little bit about what was your pattern on that first day where you kill them. What was your weight, too, on the first day? Uh, first day, I had 10 pounds, uh, 0.12, and I just found a unique situation where the stripers were pushing the bait into cuts and just over the humps, and and the smallies were around, and it was just crazy action for about three hours, you know, so it was all bait-related, um, and basically, I just never found anything like that today. I went back to the same area, caught my one fish there. I left a lot of fish there because I saw them, but you know, it just—it was just one of those great situations you find on one day, and you just got to deal with reality the next day. Any type of a bait that you could say was working well for you? You know, I used uh, topwater, um, the Boeing lures, um, the uh, Popar bait, and also the the Boeing uh, walking bait. So, both of those that, that helped show them where they were. Um, and uh, let's see, what else did I catch them on? Um, Actually, I think that's uh, what I caught them so all. So a lot of reaction baits the yeah. first day. Now you yeah. went out today, and the wind was howling when you first yeah. started, and yeah. then it never quit. In fact, it's probably the strongest now than it's been all day. But tomorrow, they say it's going to die down. You think that pattern can come back if you know there's fish there? You know, um, well, also yesterday, I also had rattle trap fish for a couple hours in the morning. And so I thought for sure I would get to a limit doing that today with these conditions, and it just didn't happen. So... Um, yeah, I was kind of a little dumbfounded. I, I covered a lot of water. I wasn't stubborn, staying in one spot. Um, so I just kept searching and searching. It just never happened. But, you know, tomorrow's a new day, and I got a lot of water I didn't, couldn't get to or didn't try to get to. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Well, Jimmy, we wish you a lot of good yeah. luck on day three. Thanks a lot for spending some time with us. Anytime. I, I know you're tired. You've been on the water all day. You can hear even in the microphone as we speak the wind howling. So uh, yeah, go out there and get them, huh? A good day to fly a kite. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. And we're back with the first day leader, Justin Patty from Phoenix, Arizona. Came in the second day, though, a little bit disappointed. Justin, what happened on the second day that wasn't happening on the first day? Uh, you know what? I just didn't catch him today. You know, I worked real hard at it. Me and my co uh, ran all over the lake, and we did a lot of different things, and it just didn't happen. I mean, 
you work work hard as hard as we do, and, and it's just hard. It's just tough fishing. So you had a great bag the first day, and believe it or not, I think you're still in the running, uh, even with that first day bag. First day bag was uh, 11:43, and that's a huge bag because today it's only uh, nine. 60 something so you're still in the running justin but i know you'd like to have done better oh yeah we we always want to come in with a couple fish at least when especially when it's this tough fishing um you know i i the area that i'm fishing i i, I actually think it's going to be better tomorrow uh i i never really got to fish it in, in the wind and uh i fished it while it was calm so tomorrow the wind conditions are supposed to settle down and i'm hoping for a big a bigger bag than i had day one tomorrow so now we'll we're in sunday night so we're not going to give away any secrets or anything uh-huh. like that reaction bait or drop shot or what are you doing this you know what I, I i've got a, a a multiple of baits i, I i've been uh, using a lot of soft plastics uh jigs and uh um drop shots i'm throwing some reaction baits some swim baits a uh, little bit of top water I haven't really uh gotten much of a top water bite going yet but um i just i use a variety of stuff i really i'm not doing anything out of the ordinary anyone else would be doing but i think it's just the area um i found some bigger fish in practice there and uh day one i, I caught big fish and uh, i saw some bigger ones so hopefully it'll all come together tomorrow and i'll be able to bring them in a bag all right justin patty hey we look forward to seeing you up in the standings on the third day and thanks for being with us on rod and reel radio all right thank you All right, we're still at the second day of Lake Mead. Wind's blowing, as you can hear in the microphone. Weights have been kind of down, but this guy from Lakeside, Arizona, came in with a big bag. He's a perennial favorite here on Lake Mead and most all of the Arizona lakes. Johnny Johnson. Johnny, how you doing, guy? I'm doing great. I'll tell you what, that wind ain't doing so hot, though. It's rough out there. Well, not only that, you came in on one of the later flights, and the wind was getting heavier and heavier. It was tough out there. There was four four footers easy out there, and there, boats having issues getting back. I'll tell you what. Thank goodness for my Nitro Z21. I'm huh? telling you, with that Mercury package, it got me back, no problem. Well, I tell you right now, we there are guys coming back with engines hanging on, trolling motors gone. Yes. Couple of boats sunk, boats broke down. This lake is a real equalizer and can take a, a toll not only on the fishermen but on your equipment. Yes, it can. And I'll tell you what, you have to be real careful riding them big waves like that. Your boat, your equipment, everything can take a pounding. You got to learn to ride the troughs, and sometimes you got to zig and zag, you know, to get through these waves. Well, let's talk about your first two days. How'd you do on the first day, and what happened on the second day that didn't happen on the first day? I'll tell you what happened. The wind actually helped me out a little bit. I uh, I ended up uh, doing pretty well the first day. You know, I I couldn't get any reaction going, so I ended up going to the drop shot. You know, into some areas. I've been fishing this tournament since 1994. Sure you know. I've learned this lake a little bit, but this lake's very humbling. You can catch them today and not tomorrow. You know, it's that tough. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those deals. Today I was able to catch some reaction fish. That really helped us out a bunch. Now your weight today was? 965. And I think it's the heaviest weight of the day so far. I hope so. I hope it holds. I need it to. <laughs> Yo, you're not kidding. Well, it puts you back in the running at least because uh, on this lake you can catch... Uh, uh, you know, 10 pounds the first day and coming with two on the second day and you everything equalizes out. You know what? It, that's the thing about this lake. And I, you know, it can happen to me tomorrow. So I'm just going for five bites. I had seven keepers today. I'm just going for five bites. And, and you know, I'm just trying to let the fish tell me what they want. And uh, I'll tell you what, I've been through a lot of different worms and a lot of different kinds of baits. And 
Couldn't get any top water going. There's a few guys catching a few, but I can't make it happen. Now, we're airing uh, Sunday night in Southern California, so you're not giving away any secrets that anyone's going to do. Uh, what top water's worked well for you? I'll tell you what. I really didn't. You know, I threw that whopper plopper a little bit, but I my best top water, of course, is uh, the, it's a little Rico. I'm throwing a small little ah. Rico. My color, the formula, because when the dragonflies come out, I'm throwing that a little bit, but I really haven't been able to make that happen. What I'm doing is drop shotting when it's dead calm in steep water. I'm fishing deep water. And, of course, then, uh, you know, when that wind started kicking up, I went to a spinnerbait on the points, and I just hammered all the spinnerbaits. And I'll tell you what, took some took a beating out there in that wind. All right. Well, Johnny Johnson, Lakeside, Arizona, great bag today. Let's hope it holds up and that you do well tomorrow. Thanks for being with us on Ron Real Radio. Thank you so much. And don't forget to watch my show when you get a chance on Fox Sports Arizona every Sunday at 930, going into my 20th year. Where can we get you online to find out what you're doing? You can go to fishingwithjohnnyjohnson.com. And uh, you can check that out. And we've also got, you You can check out shows on YouTube if you have a tr- trouble getting Fox Sports Arizona. But uh, definitely, without a doubt, been on a long time and had a good time. All right, Johnny, thanks for being with us. Hey, we'll have more interviews from Lake Mead after this. Thank You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajonford.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M 619-222-1144, or visit their website at 
www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and to secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, quantum fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. This segment of Ron Reel Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal. You know, I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Welcome back. We are at day three of the U.S. Open. After two days, the leaderboard is Clayton Myers with 1787. Ty Al with 1782, Andy uh, Manahal with 1666, and Johnny Johnson. He's in fourth place with 1665. You know, from San Diego, Clayton Belton, he's in 12th place at 1462. Right now, between first place and 20th place, there's only about a four pound difference. So, here at the third day, anything goes. The guys up in the top can really excel or if they fumble there's going to be someone here to take their place weather conditions here today are a lot better if you're a spectator the wind has gone down to about four miles an hour temperatures are very mild for this time of the year but who knows what it's going to do with regards to the fish so far the early guys weighing in have not done very well but the top 20 is going to be weighing in at the end of the tournament so we're going to try and get an interview or three with the guys that finished high on the top, find out what they did, and maybe if there's a name pro that uh, you happen to know that we can get a hold of as he leaves the stage, we'll talk to him. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Rod and Reel Radio to come from the 34th One Bass U.S. Open. All right, we're in the early stages of day three in the weigh-ins and coming in with one of the bigger bags of the day so far, I think taking over second place, Tim Klinger from Boulder City. Tim, how'd it go for you today, guy? Today went pretty good. Uh, I ran up uh, in the back of the muddy river and uh, flipped some trees that uh, that I've been planning on catching a bunch of fish out of, but this wind muddied it up really bad and made it really tough. I did manage to catch one uh, flipping taipan rod is awesome and then I decided to go to the other end of the lake and I flipped wood all day and I caught uh, six more keepers so it was uh, it was a pretty good day for as tough as the fishing is on Lake Mead right now I've never seen it this tough 
Yeah, I, I think everyone is, and we're seeing that by the weights that are coming in, even on the third day. Weather was really nice, though. It gave you an opportunity to go and do something that you couldn't do on day one and day two. Well, yeah, today was today was great. I mean, I, I don't know how much fuel I burned, but I was all the way in the back of the muddy, ran to Temple Bar, got eight gallons of fuel, ran to the back of the Greg's Basin, and then come back here. All right. Well, Tim, so far... You're in second place overall. I, I know that probably won't last, but still, great fishing uh, for today considering the conditions, and congratulations. I hope there's a big check waiting for you tonight. Thanks. Yeah, me too. Maybe I'll get lucky. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thank you. You know, not only are we following the pros here on the third day, but we're also following the uh, following the AAAs, and we have one guy from uh, San Diego that's uh, one, probably one of the best backseaters around, Keith Gunzels. Keith. How'd it go for you at this tournament? Well, like everybody, it's a lot of work for a few bites. But uh, got one good bite today. I think it saved the whole week. Oh, you're not kidding. Uh, what did that fish go? Uh, it was 477. Yeah, you want to tell us about how you caught it? Uh, the, my pro, I'd like to thank him, uh, James Shaw. He ran us straight there. We were up, up the lake a ways, and it was not fourth or fifth cast on a jig. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, had you been fishing the jig the whole time or what? Yeah, but uh, not a lot of bites on it. But um, ha- got you know a friend that said he downsized his jig and, and got a couple yesterday, so that's what I did. Kind of a little bit San Diego style, ten pound test and a quarter ounce jig, and worked. Well, the big fish yesterday, which was seven seventy six, I think, came on a jig type of thing too. So the San Diego guy, when right? you could get it in the water, they'd bite it, huh? You know, they're few and far between out there, but I guess you put it in front of the right one, yeah. you fished a lot of these before, haven't you? Well, it's, I haven't been to Lake Mead in 13 years. So oh, no that's kidding. kind of the reason I, I signed up uh, just to get back out here. I don't have a boat, so just kind of the way it worked. And now I'm glad I did. For a while there, I was questioning it. <laughs> uh, anything look familiar after 13 years? It all looks familiar in general. Hmm. All right. Well, Keith, congratulations. I know you got one of the big fish for today. I don't think it's a big fish of the tournament, but... I hope it helps a little bit because uh, I know you didn't fish as well as you'd like to, but it's always nice to bring home one of those big fish checks. I think it's a thousand bucks. So All that's, right, that's good. Thanks a lot for being with us, Keith. All right, thanks. We're with the Matt Sheriff from Gilbert, Arizona. He came within three one hundredths of a pound to taking over the lead, but just in but still a great three days of fishing considering the conditions <laughs> yeah it was tough out there you know yesterday killed me that wind I, I you know i was drop shotting and uh that wind just killed me yesterday i couldn't couldn't hold the boat you know the the wind was doing circles and today i, I got to really slow down and fish the way i wanted to fish slow and uh, methodical and it really paid off today for me I, i'm pretty proud of having you know nine and a half pounds today on a on a tough 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 fishing the way it's it is. It's a great weight. There's a lot of guys that will be coming uh, in after you that wish they had that. So, yeah, yeah, congratulations. So. I hope so. Like I said, I, after yesterday weighing two fish, I was uh, you know, pretty discouraged, to say the least, and uh, to be able to come back and, and you know, have a good limit, I think I got a pretty good shot at a check. I'm pretty pleased. Sounds good. What did you change from uh, day one and two to day three? You know, day one I was throwing reaction. I, I had some decent bites, you know, uh, you know, the two to three pound fish in practice and just, you know, reaction baits covering a lot of water. 
and I stuck with that. I stuck with that the first day till ten o'clock. I only had one, you know, zero fish at ten o'clock. Switched the drop shot and put a little limit in the boat to salvage the day. Second day, I just totally gave up on the reaction and uh, through drop shot. But today, I just stuck completely to drop shot and, and uh, you know, just worked on getting my five fish. And we had it pretty early, around 10, 10 11 o'clock, so I, or, you know, 9, 10 o'clock. So I felt really good uh, so I could relax and, uh, you know, fish slow. So basically, just realizing the reaction bite wasn't happening for me. I know some guys are catching them, but it's not consistent. And, and you know, I, I just gave up on it. So I abandoned it after the first day. Well, you were consistent. I know we'll be seeing you up there at the award ceremony. Hopefully, it'll be a big check and congratulations. I'm fishing a great third day, okay? Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, Matt Chura, thanks. We're here again the third day of the One Bass U.S. Open, and right now we're getting to the short strokes. Uh, there are fellows that are sitting in the hot seat ready to get bumped out. This guy was sitting there for a long time, did a good job. Bill O'Shin from Grass Valley. Bill, good day for you, though. Yeah, you know, I had a real good day today. I just needed that wind to chill out just a little bit. The last two days was so tough to even position the boat and fish the way it needed to be fished. So today I was able to get on my water, fish my stuff I needed to fish, and I had a real good time today, so it was fun. So you come in a total three-day total of 19 and a half, yeah, somewhere like that. Pounds. You know that wasn't going to win, but, boy, you were in that hot seat for a long time. What was different, and what did you do different from uh, day one and two to day three? You know, I adjusted every day, and I had to because of that big wind. I just, I, you know, I really, the stuff I found in practice was what I did today. If I could have three days like today, it would have been a different story. I think I would have been right up there, maybe maybe possibly win this thing. But, you know, it was a good it was a good tournament. Oh, for sure, and you had a great third day. Your, th- thir- your third day total was what? Uh, just over eight pounds. It's just like over eight pounds. Yeah. Good total for the way it was. Bill, thanks for being with us, and sure. we hope to see you up at the award ceremony for a big check. Okay, thanks a lot. All Appreciate right. it. Hey, we're now with Kyle Grover. Kyle was in the hot seat for a little while. Uh, he uh, took over the seat from Bill O'Shin, and Kyle just got knocked off by Neil Campbell, but what a great third day total for you, Kyle. Yeah, that, that second day of only three pounds really killed me, just just finally got to fish the spots that i wanted to fish today because the wind let off and they were chewing this morning it was a blast all on super spoon oh man what'd you do? what you so that's what super did you spoon. do that differently or did you stay with the same yeah. pattern and it just all worked today all day yeah i caught seven or eight on it yeah oh man yeah. all right yeah. hey well you know still great showing in the end over there looks like there'll be a big check waiting for you yeah hopefully hopefully yeah. we'll get a check congratulations on yeah. that kyle and yeah. we'll see you at the award ceremony Thanks, John. all right Hey, Mike, uh, we got Mike Walsh with us. He was on the hot seat for a long time with 20, 22, uh, you know, 43, and, you know, great job. Right now, uh, you're in that hot seat. Uh, Wade Strelick from San Diego beat you out, but getting beat out by another San Diego. But you were in that seat for a long time. Great comeback, Mike. No, thank you. I appreciate it. It feels good to have a great third day, and and I was blessed the last couple days to – to be in the right spots at the right time and uh, just put some good fish in the boat and uh, had great experience with co-anglers and um, everything just worked out. Could it could have had, you know, I had a couple fish today that just didn't stay buttoned on and could have possibly, uh, I know I could have improved, but they just didn't stick, but I'm still, I'm still very happy and, and proud of what what I did. Well, so. you were in a lead for a long time. You're in line for a big check today. How was day one different and two different from day three? Uh, day one, it was it was kind of weird. I don't know. They just uh, the the fish in all the areas just really weren't uh, weren't settled into how I was fishing them, and um, 
I don't know if it was the the pressure from the people that were pre-fishing right before the tournament, but I, w- I was out a week before. I wasn't able to fish the, the week leading up to it or the days leading up to it. And so it could have been the weather change and stuff. But um, we actually went back to several of those areas that I fished on day one, and we caught some, you know, caught some good fish there today. So All right. Uh, conditions were just better today, and the fish were turned on, ready to eat, maybe after that whole day of wind and whole night of wind. But... Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm thrilled. I, I can't believe you know that I was up there that long. So. Great job, you know. I know you, you know you had that great fish 776 on day two. Sure would have been nice to have just a couple of those, uh, you know, two pounders to go along with. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think uh, really we only had one fish that was like a pound and a half. Everything else was right there, almost two, a couple over. So, uh, I mean, it'll sink in. The you know the more that uh, think about those few lost fish today, it'll it'll sink in. But still, I'm I'm very proud, very happy of of how it turned out. This is only my second open. I'll be back, and it's I still have a lot to learn on the lake. And, well, great uh, job. We don't know where you finished here. overall, but it was a great finish, and we'll see you at the award ceremony. Definitely. I think there's a couple of big checks in your future, Mike. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll set in, and I'm sure I'll be in shock for a while. And I'm I'm just very happy, that, you know, like I said, how it went, and a great experience, great co-anglers, and and uh, can't you know can't be happier. Congratulations, Mike. So we'll see you at the award ceremony, and a great three days of fishing. And congratulations, thank you. Seven seventy six. People are saying yeah. that's probably the largest bass, largest ever caught bass in, in the, the US, U.S. Open. Open. Yeah, for what I hear. So great job, sir. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. Anglers are is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, 
tuna hooks, ring the hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. We got Wade Strelicares fishing from uh, San Diego County. And Wade, man, is up to the last four guys. You were there in the hot seat. You had uh, a little over 23 pounds. Uh, congratulations. Great day of fishing. Thanks. Uh, had a good day. Everything just went well. Started off, uh, had one fish by 10 o'clock and came to a, an area I've been fishing, hit her, you know, a little bit for the last two days. And uh, I got four bites there the first day five bites there the second day and i pulled in there today and uh we put a hurting on them we uh well what was different what what happened on the third day that didn't happen on day one and day two um what happened was the wind it was a little more fishable today we're fishing slow and fishing deep so i could be a little more patient and they could find my bait a little better and uh also um i didn't i didn't uh usually at lake mead you have to conserve your water so day one I only got a few bites in there and I left. Day two, I got five bites and left. Day three, you got no no more days to fish, so we went in there and just hammered them. So they're well, biting pretty good. Well, you did pretty well. It looks like you're going to be in the top five for this tournament, going to pick up a big check. Congratulations. Thank you very much, John. All right, we look forward to seeing you up there at the Winter's Circle. Thanks. Bye. Tonai, who had a uh, crack at uh, first place, came in with five pounds, didn't make it. Johnny Johnson still in first place. Clayton Myers is the last guy to weigh in, and he's got he's the last fella that has a chance to beat Johnny in this uh, event. All right, we're coming up to the short strokes. Johnny Johnson is in the lead with 27, 35. Clayton Myers is coming need. He needs a good seven and a half pound bag to take over the lead. He's walking up the scales, and we'll see what happens. Clayton Myers comes in with 7.55 pounds. And the winner of this event is going to be Johnny Johnson. We're going to see if we can get him. Johnny's in first place with 27.65. Great job. A couple of words from you, Johnny. Hey, Johnny Johnson has just come on Thank down so from the much, stage. He's got all you, the fishermen I over here you, congratulating him. He's just oh. won the 2016 U.S. Open. Well, Johnny, oh. we talked to you yesterday. Told you you had a, a crack at it. And, man, you cashed in. Congratulations. You know, it's been tough to put three days together on this lake uh, for me. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it was a tough tournament. It really was. I, I lucked out and got the right bites today. I had seven keepers. And, uh, you know, I didn't have my limit till almost noon today, and, and uh, I struggled really hard with my emotions, and I, I kept them in check because I, I said to myself, man, I've been in this spot before, just try to cash a good check, be calm, and make it happen. My partner today, Tom Cruise, of all names, Tom <laughs> all right, Cruise, yeah, yeah he... Uh, uh, he kept me calm pretty good. He's a great, great partner today. And uh, well, tell me, what did you do today that uh, didn't work for you on the first two days? Actually, uh, I ended up, uh, 
I ended up catching a few on reaction first thing this morning that were key fish for me. And uh, I, I caught a spinnerbait fish this morning that, that was one of my bigger fish. And then I caught one later in the day that was on reaction. But I'll tell you what, it's been a drop shot uh, tournament for me. Just just try to get your limit and try to make a check is all I was trying to do. Well, did you find the fish went deeper with the wind died out and it became a little calmer? You know, what happened was those fish started burying up in the weeds a little bit and I could go back to the on the uh, on the pockets a little bit. Anytime I found a little grass, even on the uh, cliff walls, if you found a little grass, anything growing like that in there, uh, you could usually get them there. If it was just a bare wall for me, I, I couldn't make it happen. I had to find a little grass even on the walls. So that was a big big key for me. Well, Johnny, we want to congratulate you. Again, if we can Thank see you, you on TV or find out more about you, you where can we go? Uh, just go to Fox Sports Arizona, baby, and, and, and watch Fishing with Johnny Johnson every Sunday at 930. Going into our 20th year this year, but you can log on to the web at uh, uh, fishingwithjohnnyjohnson.com and, and catch all that. Well, Johnny, and on behalf of all Southern California, Rod Real Radio wishes you a great congratulations for a fantastic tournament. Thank I you, know son. there's people waiting to take pictures and congratulate <laughs> you. Get on with Thank it. Thanks so for spending much. some time with us. Appreciate it. Thank all you right. very much. Thank you. Hey, and you are listening to Rod Real Radio on AM540 or at rodreelradio.com. We've been broadcasting to you live from the 2016. One Bass U.S. Open. Tough tournament for everyone, but it was won by uh, Johnny Johnson in a three-day total that went 27.65. Clayton Myers was awful close. He had a real chance of uh, knocking off Johnny, but he came in with 7.55 on the last day. He had 25.42. Johnny Johnson did a great job with 11 pounds to take this tournament. Andy Manahal, he was third. He had uh, 7.45 today when it came in with 24.11. And uh, Ty Ah Ah came in uh, fourth. He had 23.32. San Diego and Wade Strelick did a great job. Fifth place with 23.08. He had 10.75 today, a great bag. And also San Diego and Mike Walsh came in sixth place. He did extremely well. He had 9.27 today. He had that 7.76 yesterday which almost took him over to the top, but still came in sixth place. Good bag, 22-42. Other guys that did really well in this tournament, ninth-placed Rusty Zalewski from San Diego, came in all right. Sean Bailey, you know, from Lake Havasu, 21-40. And in 14th place, Clayton Belden. Great job. He had 6.59 the last day, 21-21 total. So, you know, San Diegans... And Southern California fishermen did really well at this event. Hey, uh, we're going to maybe go over to the award ceremony if we can and get some of the reaction to some of the other guys. But, hey, this is Hopalong broadcasting to you from the 2016 U.S. Open at Colvell Bay here at uh, Lake Mead. Uh, it's been a great event. It was a hard event, but uh, 168 boats. So the guys that came in first, you know they fished really well. Billy, after uh, three days uh, of this wind over here, you've got a beard that really looks fluffed out. Uh, congratulations on running a great event. This is what, the seventh one under your belt? And seventh one. How'd this go for you? This was a home run out of the park, perfect condition situation. Obviously, we had the weather conditions, but 
Lake Mead and the U.S. Open wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for Mother Nature raising her head up at least one day of the tournament. But, you know, the, the fish counts were down um, because of the conditions, the winds. Uh, the guys were having a difficult time getting the fish and connecting to them to get them to the boat. But it was a great story, the way it folded out with uh, Johnny Johnson and Clayton Meyer on the stage, one and two, waiting to see what happened. And for Johnny Johnson, uh, being a Nitro Mercury uh, uh, Bass Pro uh, angler, it's, it's a perfect scenario for the situation. And, you know, Clayton uh, getting second place yet again in two years in a row. It's a great showing. A lot of guys uh, did real well. Our top 10, top 15 had a good chance of knocking everybody off. Uh, we had some San Diego guys that were sitting in the hot seat for a while. So for me, this was a success. And, and with the growth that we've been experiencing the last few years, uh, I think we can really break the 200 boat next year. Well, you know, this turned out to be just what everyone expected, a great equalizer type of tournament. No one really had an advantage over here. And the way the leaderboard mixed up every day, it was incredible. The guys that were in first place after day one, man, they didn't do as well as they did in day two. And it was no way to tell who was going to win this thing. But the guys that were able to be consistent seemed to do really well. Yep, that's true. Because out here for three days, especially with the conditions that we, we the, the anglers have to deal with, and us as, as an organization have to deal with, it's tough to mentally stay in it for three days and stay focused to make the right decisions. You heard a lot of guys on stage saying, I went left when I should have gone right. And those type of things can't happen in order to get to the top and uh, take a, that cup home at the end of the day. And it seemed like uh, the guys had to be versatile, too, because what was working on day one or day two, if there was anything working, that wasn't necessarily working on day three. And, and guys had to just figure out what was happening, change up, and just catch fish. You know, even though the weights weren't as good as they've been in other U.S. Opens, you had a record big bass of 776 that turned out really well and 27 pounds still took it so someone finds them yep they find them and uh you know sometimes they stumble on them sometimes it's a lot of uh, homework that uh, makes it come home and uh johnny's he's a great guy and couldn't be happier to have him win this tournament uh tell us though uh, as we're ending with you here who are some of the sponsors that make this event the event that it is well obviously uh nitro and mercury are headline sponsors for this event uh they've been supporting us for a number of years and we're happy to have them rick emmett back at uh bass pro shops is a great guy to be having your side same with michelle over at mercury um but uh, you got cigar you got costa you got uh you know costa brought the live broadcast home to everybody um you got plano yozuri uh, daiwa rods st Croix rods phoenix rods um Rapid uh, Technologies, uh, Lead Enterprises, uh, Cuyo, uh, uh, I always mis mispronounce them, they're a, a clothing company for yes. the hunting and fishing. Um, gosh, you name it, Rooster Tail came out this year, Savage Gear, Akuma. We've got some of the best sponsors in the business. Well, you know, and... The guys came out, the teams came out to support you. What was the final count on the final count for this tournament was 186 entries. Great. Which show. Last year was a record breaker at 168, so we keep we keep breaking it to this year we shattered it. So So what, you get to go home for a couple of days and then start on the two thousand seventeen event? Well, I'm waiting for a couple more dates to come out, but yeah, it, this is the type of event. It takes about a year to get things organized, get things going, and promote it so that this many anglers notice it and find out. And one of the big differences in the last few years is this Coastal Live broadcast. It really has reached out to a lot more people, given the ability to expose the U.S. Open to those that aren't so much familiar with it. Well, you know, as one of the fishermen that are here in the Southwest, we want to thank one bass for keeping with this event and putting it on because if it wasn't for them we wouldn't have anything like 
like this at all out here, and it, it's a great event. Thanks, Sean. We appreciate it. We love doing this. All right. Good luck, and we look forward to talking again next year, Billy. Thanks a lot. You got it, John. Thanks, buddy. All right. Hey, this is Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or rodandreelradio.com. Hey, I think we're going to shut it off for now. We are at the 2016 U.S. Open. That was Billy Egan, tournament director. Ran a great event over here. 186 boats. Just fantastic. Fishing wasn't what it what it lived up to be, but it's still someone has to win it. And Johnny Johnson wins it. So you take care, everyone. We'll be talking to you later on tonight. So until later on, we're going to take a break right now. You're listening to Ron Real Radio on AM 540 or at ronrealradio.com. Stay tuned. Still more to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Rod and Real Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. And we want to welcome...
welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Hey, now it's time for the fish icon, Captain James Nelson, with a Southern California Inshore Report. Captain James, good Sunday evening to you. Hey, happy Sunday to you guys. Hey, you know, we're James, uh, you know, as you heard just before, uh, just in our immediate offshore area, it seems like everything is uh, really going. What's happening uh, in the inshore area? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> apparently we're oblivious to what's going out there. You know, we've been inside just having fun, catching bass, catching sharks, catching rays. I mean, it's, it's the good old-fashioned uh, bay variety. You never know. Corvina, needlefish. Yeah, we got needlefish now. What's going on there? What, what, needlefish? <laughs> Where'd those come from? <laughs> I think they came from Florida or something, huh? I don't know. Yeah, tell us about the needlefish bite. Are they uh, are they biting bait? Are they biting silvery things? Or are you, you wishing they just wouldn't bite at all? Well, you know, yeah, in a lot of ways I wish they'd leave us alone because you know what they're really biting, John, is all those plastic that you keep selling me at a premium, so they're ripping them <laughs> apart, and I'm having to come in and buy another 50. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking you hired them. <laughs> oh, needlefish are even worse than uh, the lizardfish uh, when it comes uh, to plastics, but... That's right. Do you keep on throwing and check those out? Because when you get them on, they're almost like uh, you know catching a, a, a small barracuda. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is fun to see something different, even if it is uh, 14 inches long and doesn't bend the rod tip. It's it just needs seeing different things. That's my opinion. You know, Captain Jim, I can't tell you. You know, I get a lot of uh, dads and granddads come in here to the shop, and they they bring the the kids or the grandkids with them and you know the first place they're looking to go fish when it comes salt water is how to go about fishing the bay either mission bay or san diego bay they don't have a boat they're not really experienced you know they could have uh, fished up in the the sierras or or done some of the uh, the freshwater lakes over here but when it comes to salt water they have absolutely no cue uh, no you know they they have no clue at all and we'll help them, and we've got maps here of uh, Mission in San Diego Bay and tell them the places to fish with the artificials and, and how to use bait. But a lot of times when I'll tell them, I say, you know, one of the best things to do is to go out with a guide like Captain James Nelson because not only will you catch, you know, a lot of the fish that you like catching, like the, um, uh, the, uh, the bass and the halibut and everything like that, but... You can take the kids on that there, and Captain James will bring them on big bat raids and leopard sharks and everything, and you should see how big the eyes on these kids get. So I can just imagine what's happening when you've actually got them out there on the boat. You know, it's it's a blast. I mean, especially when you've got kids that are, you know, you know they're battling a fish that's a little bit bigger than they probably could handle, and Dad's there saying, Oh, let me help you. And, and the boy turns around, or even the girl turns around and says, I got this one. And it's just me watching them struggle. They got the rod all, all in weird positions. You know, I'm trying to get them to get the form with the left hand in front of the reel and lift and lift up, lying down. And, and they're just flopping all over, cranking this fish in, the reel spinning. And before you know it, the thing's in the net and everybody's happy. And it's, it's just a blast. It's a kick of something different. Wow, you're not kidding. And, and, you know, one thing about, you know, the kids, and we always want to emphasize this, that a lot of times they don't really care what they're tugging on. But, boy, if they're tugging on something and if it happens to be a big tug, 
man, it is uh, a memory for a lifetime. Absolutely, and that's what it's all about. You know, it's it's one thing to go out and you know uh, and, and chase certain fish and just get out there and be in the thrill of the hunt, and then it's another thing just to kick back and go fishing. And you know, we're seeing that all across the board now, John. Whether it's a new species you can check off your list or a big species. I mean, you're talking guys that are putting their bass rods down and going out and catching big tuna. I mean, it's it's really fun and all all up and down. We've got things happening. It's kind of weird because I'd say the yellowtail bite's kind of goofy. It's it's come and go, and it doesn't want to really stabilize like it normally would this year. But when you can get Bonita outside the you know Harbor Island, and you can get needlefish down further in the bay, and you're catching, I mean. I've never seen the butterfly rates like they are this year, and those are hard pulling fish. And so it's just something really neat. Yeah, we've uh, we've had some of the fishermen come into the shop, and those uh, rays they have caught have been upwards of a uh, hundred and thirty pounds, and they they bring in their their pen fifty and uh, their rod. They look at us and they go, uh, uh, "How come uh, the fish get away on this uh, this rod and reel setup?" Uh, for some reason, I crank the drag down as far as I can, and it just doesn't happen. What some of the equipment are you using for some of these larger fish? Well, I'm using a uh, a, a good pin boat rod, you know, and uh, we've got the Shimano. Oh, what are those things that I've got? It's it's a level line reel. It's but it's got a clicker, okay. and it's you know. The, excuse me, my my brain's been up since 4 a.m. So sounds, sounds like a Dakota. <laughs> Is that a Dakota? It's a Dakota, exactly. Yeah. They're, but they're the 500, so they hold a lot of line. And one of the tricks that I found when we're fishing for sharks and rays is uh, I don't go with braid. And the main reason is braid is one thing when you're holding the rod in your hand and you're and you're able to uh, work with the drag. But when what we're doing is we're putting the rods in the rod holder with the clicker on. And if you get that fish to, to pinch that line into itself, as braid sometimes does, that can mean your leader's going to pop because, you know, we're, if usually you're fishing braid, you've got a heavier line than you do leader. And you put too much stress on that, and something's going to give, and it usually goes at the leader. So what, what I've done is I just go straight 40-pound uh, all the way. So it's 40-pound it's all the way to the Arbor Knot, all Iser line, uh, the double X, and it goes straight 40-pound to, uh, to where I still uh, use a slip weight with a swivel, so we got a leader there. But I'm also using a 40-pound leader times I'm using the fluorocarbon leader, so um, the reason for that is abrasion resistance, you know, and we're going with short leader. We're not going too long, maybe 14-inch leader to an 8-aught uh, Motu-type hook or a, an octopus hook. We'll use uh, a lot of times those Gamagatsu octopus hooks are perfect. Pinch the barb down, throw a hunk of meat on there, put in the rod holder with the clicker, and just wait. You know, And, uh, oh, and that's on. a beefy rod. Those, those rods that, that I'm using are Forgive me for forgetting the model, but uh, but it's it's just a beefy, good old fashioned, you know, saltwater boat rod, seven foot, and it. I mean, it's a broomstick. I mean, you can shoot pool with it when you're not fishing. I mean, but you got to get the right fish on there, and you'll know it because that when that thing starts pulling down and bending down to the fifth guy, you know you got something nice. You know, well, you know, talking about uh, being a broomstick. Uh, uh, Dave Conway, who I have working in the shop right now, we had a customer bring in an old tuna rod that was made out of solid oak. 
and uh, who knows how old that thing was. And uh, uh, the customer said, I'd want you th- to restore this. And and Dave did a great job on that, uh, not only uh, you know uh, redoing the finish and the button and the real seat and the, and the guides and everything else like that. It probably looks as good, if not better, than the, when the rod was built at the turn of the century. But, you know, I think I know where the adage fishing stick came from. It came from one of these sticks that these guys used to use at the turn of the century for these big fish. Literally a stick. <laughs> but that's great. You know, you got to imagine there was a time where somebody – saved up money in between paychecks so, so he could go out and get that when it was brand new. Man. Oh, you're, you're not kidding. You know, hey, Captain yeah, Jim, you know, one, of respect for that. One, uh, one of the things, you know, we do over here, too, is uh, we, uh, uh, you know, when people are looking to, to take kids out uh, or to go out as a family or friends, when we recommend you, we're just not recommending some guy that has a fishing boat that that goes out every once in a while. And this is kind of in in light, too, of what we're doing right now. We've got uh, uh, Diana Simons from the Coast Guard Auxiliary that's going to be on 6 o'clock, and we're going to talk a little bit about a class that she runs called Suddenly in Command. But as for yourself, when someone comes aboard with you, you're just not some guy that happens to have a boat that is, uh, you know, taking people out. You have a little background behind you before you even got to this point in time. And, and just tell us just briefly what it takes to get into the position that you're in right now to take uh, individuals out fishing. Well, that's that's. Uh, thank you for going in-depth on that, John. Yeah, I'm not just a guy with a boat. I also have granola bars and water. But, uh... <laughs> but the granola bars are good, uh, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're good granola you know, you come from out of town or out of state, and you expect to come to California and have a granola bar, so we oblige them. Got to hug a tree before they leave, too. In fact, I'm uh, going to have one while you're talking, so go on, Jim. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, uh, absolutely, you have to have, uh, A, a captain's license to be uh, on any Coast Guard uh, mandated waters, you know, navigable waters. So we're looking at um, from the bay on out, you have to have a uh, captain's license. Now, you don't uh, when uh, guiding in freshwater, but there are tons of other licenses involved that you need for both. For, so that's the main distinction between freshwater and saltwater. Saltwater, you have to have a captain's license. Now, there is some freshwater that you do, the Colorado River and any other main rivers, you also have to have a captain's license. So folks who travel, I mean, if you go someplace like on the Mississippi River, uh, don't just go with a guide. Make sure that he's got a captain's license as well. And there's reasons for that. There, there's uh, there's ship-to-ship communications and uh, both on radio and off radio that you need to know. There's there's navigating channels you need to know about. You know how to uh, do other things on the water. And not to mention, of course, first aid for you know infant, adult, child, anybody. You have to need to know first aid. You got to be certified for that you got to agree to peeing in a cup every once in a while at random whenever they decide to call you. So, you know, you got to be part of that, you know, part of a group um, that they that they do that. And uh, then there's also a consortium, they call it. Then, of course, there's insurance up to, you know, up yes. to paperwork that you can imagine on that. Then there's licensing with your state, you know, got to be licensed with the state of California as a fishing guide. you got to be bonded to be that way. 
And then you also have to have a uh, license. Your boat has to be licensed differently. If it's over 26 feet, most guys are going to register with the uh, Coast Guard. If not, then you're going to register with the DMV. But the DMV expects you to have a commercial vessel license, a, a vessel for hire, they call it, or livery license. And you'll know that if you look at the registration on most boats that are registered that way, will have an LE with them uh, as far as the lettering and numbers. Then you've got a fishing game commercial boat license. <laughs> <You know? laughs> In San Diego now, the, the Port of San Diego is working on a new port license for those of us who aren't oh, um, aren't yet in a marina. For those who are in a marina, they're already having their own port license. So a lot of these guys are down at the landings or working through the landings or, say, working through the hotel. I think uh, uh, Dr. John Grimm now, you know, he's uh, been a guy for a long time. He's works out of the Hilton down there in uh, Harbor Island, so he's got a port license to them. And so there's all these different things that you have to have and not to mention, of course, you're not going to invest in all that. These aren't, most of these licenses aren't a matter of just writing a check. They're a matter of time. So you're not going to invest in that unless you really have the passion for the craft, I, I believe. And so you're talking about you've got to have time on the water uh, anyway as part of your captain's license. Time on the water is not just book smart that they're looking for. And then there's uh, passing tests. But, again, time on the water helps with all that. And, and there's time on the water, a passion to be, when you're not guiding, to actually still be honing on what you're doing as far as an angler. Uh, I can't say that I'm the best fisherman out there. And I know a lot of guys that are ten times better fishermen than me that will probably never want to be a guide. Um, and there are some that are better fishermen than me that are better guides because of it. But, but even still, even if I can't uh, ever seem to know when exactly to set the hook on a fish when he bites, I still need to know how to find that fish. And even more so, that's a challenge to me because now it's somebody else who's going to set the book. I can't blame myself if I miss that, that fish. I'm taking somebody who may have not had a rod in his hand for you know, a couple of years, going out there, catching fish that he's never fished for, a lot of times using gear that he's not familiar with because a lot of times I provide the gear. Now they're catching fish that they've never fished before. <laughs> and... They've got to set the hook, so I better make sure that I put them on fish that if, for whatever reason, the fish doesn't set the hook correctly, uh, no problem because there's enough fish here, you'll get another bite. You know, so it, it, it goes into that. There, there's a lot to it. That, that's, well, that question could be answered a whole segment of a whole show. I'll yeah, Captain James, I kind of liken it to a manager of a football uh, or, you know, the manager or coach of a football team or a baseball team. The some of the most successful managers that we know of, yeah, they played the game, but they weren't necessarily the the top stars in the game. But when it comes to coaching and uh, knowing how to do what it is that they do, they're pretty darn good at it. And I've got to say that for you. Just one other last thing I know that you've got to do that I was really surprised at is you also have to restrict how many hours on the water that you have in a given period of time? What, what is that exactly? Uh, yeah, well, fortunately for me, it's not that not that big of a thing because it's not like we do overnight or two-day trips like a lot of the big charter guys do. Of course, then they have to manage their sleep while they're on the water. But, yeah, I, I have to have a minimum four hours of you know, uninterrupted sleep and then, of course, eight hours of rest and go with that. So, Basically, if I'm getting up at 4 a.m., I have to be 
snoring no later than 12. <laughs> you know, and I have to be in bed by 8 p.m. So I, or at least rested, you know, how, how exactly you rest. I don't, I don't know that that's yeah, necessarily. I'm not going to get into what you're doing with those other four hours in bed, Jim, but I know the family is happy to see you then. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey Captain James, if we want to get a hold of you and uh, book a full day trip, half day trip, go on the bay, go into our immediate offshore areas, how's the best way to go about doing it? Well, you can always reach me online at uh, my website, and I know I'm also on Rod and Real Radio, but uh, my website is thefishicon.com. It's T-H-E, the fishicon.com, or check me out by telephone, 619-395-0799. All right. Captain James, thanks a lot for being with us, and we look forward to speaking to you again next Sunday night on Rod and Real Radio. Oh, always a pleasure, John. Thanks a lot, and you guys have a great week. All right. You hey, can. Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory-authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory-authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call one 800 227 7262 or just spell bass boat 1-800-BASS-BOAT I know there's too many letters but the T is free and the call's on me that's 1-800-BASS-BOAT the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance for more information log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.COM if the fish are biting I'm on my boat rain or shine of course I wear my life jacket it's like wearing a seatbelt clip it on grab my tackle box and hit the water Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. And remember, nobody beats El Cone Ford. Hey, welcome back to the second half of Rod Real Radio. I am your host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and Stan Vandenberg and Wendy Tushihara. They're also with us tonight. And, Wendy, I've got to thank your merit for giving me the lead for this next guest. It's a fellow that I am really excited to have on with us. Well, you know, um, I got the chance to meet Terry during the MLPA process. We worked together um, when we uh, were stakeholders, and uh, Terry's a great guy. Hi, Terry. <laughs> Hi, Wendy. Hey, Terry. Welcome to Ron Real Radio, and I just want to give some background on you, and then we can take it from there. You know, Terry has been free diving and spearfishing for 55 years. In his younger years, he held four national championships in spearfishing, and he has been on ten championship teams. Terry has also held three world records when it comes to bluefin and yellowfin tuna. And, Terry, I believe you still hold the record for the largest specific bluefin tuna ever speared at 398 pounds. So we want to welcome you to the show, sir. Thank you for coming aboard with us. You're welcome. Hey, you know. 55 years, what a legacy, but tell us, uh, what started this interest in, in spearfishing and then combining that with free diving? Well, I used to love to play, uh, in, you know, breath hole games in the swimming pool, and I also loved to fish uh, more freshwater streams because it was hard to get to the ocean, but uh, the few times I got to the ocean, I enjoyed that, and then... Uh, when I was young, Sea Hunt with Lloyd Bridges was all over the television. And, and uh, of course, he used a tank, and, and that saw it. When I was 14, I learned how to use a uh, scuba tank, but I figured out on my first dive that that wasn't really too sporting. We, I learned in Carmel and Monterey and went down and found this cabazoni sitting in a cave, just sitting there, and, and um, pretty easy to shoot him. So. It was uh, after I learned about breath hole diving, I figured that was a lot more sporting. Wow. And so uh, was it that area that you developed your skill in uh, both uh, free diving and spear fishing? Well, um, Northern California at the time had a, uh, a very robust competitive 
spearfishing community, breath holding. Um, there were 120 divers frequently at contests, and uh, that's where um, I chose to uh, learn about breath hold diving and compete, and uh, it was great fun. Well, you know, you're you're kind of a local guy up there in uh, uh, northern uh, California. How do it evolve to becoming basically a globe trekker and taking uh, this passion of yours and translating it to all these different places around the world? Well, um, my good friend Al Snippershoff, I'll speak about his death in a minute, was based in Los Angeles, and he was really good at getting yellowtail and white sea bass off Catalina and off the coast, big black sea bass, too. We could shoot them then. And uh, so he would would invite me down. I'd fly down on PSA. <laughs> if you can remember that, you're pretty old. And uh, he'd pick me up, and we'd go out for the weekend, and we'd go what so-called big game spearfishing. And big game spearfishing was finding yellowtail and white sea bass. Um, he made a trip to Guadalupe Island in uh, 1972. I wasn't able to go. And um, he, they got there late in the evening, and, but Al would just jump in the water no matter They were in the anchorage, which later we learned was where the, the uh, Mexicans dumped their garbage. And he was in the water for a few minutes and yelled, giant, I see giant tuna. Um, and that got everybody's blood boiling. Uh, but then a few minutes later, his son was on the bow of the boat, said, something's wrong with my dad, and he'd been hit by a great white shark, um, and it severed uh, the major artery in his knee, or his popliteal artery in his calf, and, and they brought him on boat, but he, he died shortly thereafter. Oh boy. And what, effect did, what effect did this have on you, Terry? Well, it had two effects. Uh, the first effect is that I started looking behind me <laughs> no kidding. all the time. I was really scared diving, and and uh, but when I did that, I found out I started seeing a lot more fish. Yellowtail will come in behind you. Um, and then the other thing was that we kept thinking about his last words. There's really big tuna here. And during the time, Western Outdoor News would talk about the giant tuna they were taking at Guadalupe Island. And so we, um, 14 of us, decided we'd go there. We went on the sand dollar, um, and and we didn't know really what to do. I had a float line with a float that I'd made. It was a lifeguard float, and it had a uh, a lead keel to keep the flag up. Some guys brought Culligan water heaters uh, as floats. We just didn't know what we were doing. We just knew they were big fish. Here that time, uh, you know, I started diving in the uh, early 70s and obviously saw the progression of it. But tell us a little bit about the gear you were to, uh, talk, uh, using, especially spearfishing gear, because what you're doing back at that time and what you're doing now is like the difference on what we're doing with uh, Ron Brill. Well, yes and no. The bottom scratchers, uh, good friend Albert Donovich and Wally Potts, we're doing a good job building uh, fairly big, big game guns. We used to call them, and they, uh, while they were shooting white sea bass and yellowtail off of uh, 
Mahoya Cove in the 50s, um, they, they developed some pretty sophisticated guns. The gun I used at Guadalupe to get the 400-pound record in 1982 was uh, homemade, a stainless steel barrel uh, with uh, sh uh, guides that held the shaft in place. And so uh, basically the rig is you've got a spear gun with a shaft. The shaft normally leaves the gun and 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 it is attached to a float line which is then attached to a float and so if you're successful and get a big fish um, you see the float flying by 100 miles an hour sometimes submerging for long periods of time and then um, and then you you've got to grab that float and pull in uh, pull in the fish you know when you were attracting these fish would you see where the fish were and you jump in the middle of them, or would you stay in the areas and just be patient and wait yeah, on the you know, surface? Um, in contrast to this last year, uh, a couple weeks ago when I got the 240-pound bluefin, yes. entirely, entirely different than mostly what we've been doing forever, which is to find uh, a pinnacle or find a fishy area and anchor up there and just spend hours and hours and hours. And that 400-pound bluefin, I was with Dennis Okada from Hawaii, it was again 1982, and we were seeing lots of uh, bait fish whirling over a pinnacle in about 90 feet of water. And I told Dennis, look, there's yellowtail here, but I, I've just got a feeling there's going to be tuna because we've been seeing tuna all along. I, two days before, I shot a 178-pound bluefin, which that beat the former spearfishing record of 52 pounds. So I had a feeling that there were going to be tuna there. So Dennis shot a yellowtail, and <laughs> and because they were so big, 40, 50 pounds, and he, so he went back to the boat, and I was by myself, and I was centered over this pinnacle that had swirling mackerel on it. And uh, I made a dive. I got about 20, 25, 30 feet, and I looked down. The water was crystal clear. It was unbelievable. You could see 200 feet, and I saw these two Two bluefin tuna, they look like an inch each that far away. And I just hung out there, and for some reason they were curious. They came to me, and over the course of a minute, they swam from 200 feet to about 15 feet away from me. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I, the closest one, I, I could see they were starting to turn, and I just thrust my gun and pulled the trigger, and, and uh, the shot hit it right in the back, and it just took off. And that float that I told you had a... It had a lead skeg, yes. shot by me, almost cleaved my head. It was going so fast. <laughs> and then it went straight down um, and disappeared. But then the worst thing a diver can see is the float came back up, and it was kind of wobbling on the way up. And that's generally a sign that the fish is pulled loose, which is uh, really terrible, terrible thing. So I grabbed the line, and, um, and it, it was still on. And it came to the surface and made a big circle. And this 400-pound fish, I could see it 50 feet away and was aiming right for me. And I thought, shit, he's going to run me over. He's going to attack me. And he was heading right for me. And about 10 feet away, he stopped and, and sunk. And, and what had happened is that I'd been a very lucky shot, the kind of shot you want to make, where the spear hit its spine and all his fighting kind of, 
um, aggravated that shot so that it paralyzed. So then he just sunk, and uh, he was pretty much done for. I just the whole thing was over in about five minutes. Wow. Uh, we just had to pull him up and, and put another spear in to make sure he didn't get lost. Wow. And, you know, uh, if yeah, there, sure. when you were in those years, if there was really an exciting place to go to, where, where was the place to go to, to, uh, you know, to, to catch the fish that you were looking for? Guadalupe Island. That was, that was it. There, there's good places. Cabo is good. Um, La Paz is good. Um, um, Panama is very good. Um, there's a lot of places. Of course, those are yellowfin places. But bluefin, bluefin dominated Guadalupe Island until about 1970, or sorry, 1984 or five, and they they just up and disappeared. Yeah, I mean, one... you used to go to Guadalupe, and the only boat that I mean, the only boat that was catching those fish was the uh, the megalodon that was out there. It was a uh, uh, not Hatteras. It was a 55, 60 foot private pleasure yacht that they'd sit back and they boat. put um, uh, two guys, a, a deckhand and a fisherman, in a in a small boat, and they would troll the small boat behind the big boat at about a hundred yards on a rope, and the guy back there would troll a mackerel about a hundred yards behind the dinghy. Until they they hang one of those big blue fin, and then they detach the boat, and that's where all the the uh, original uh, little chase boats came into play. Where they would just let that blue fin pull them around out there until uh, they finally got him up, and then the big boat would come over and pick him up and go from there. But that was that was where we saw all of the blue fin. They were out there in numbers, and you'd see huge numbers of that big stuff coming out of the water. And you were just hoping to get one of the little ones when you were on a sport boat. Well, you bring up a good point about bluefin. The, the reason why you can't park a boat there with generators running and everything, there's too much noise. And so there was an article I remember reading that time about how you had to be quiet and take a skiff and just be, you know, have no motor. Everybody shut the generators. Everything got shut off. And uh, But I'll tell you I, but that when I shot the 158-pounder I told you about before, the 400-pounder, I made a dive to about 40 feet. And there were bluefin backs, as far as I could see, from left to right. Probably a thousand bluefin. They were all that same size. Wow. Well, there's a lot of big ones back then. That's I know for a fact. I used to go down there. We'd spend two or three days at a whack down there, and and just trying to get one of the big ones to hang. And then good luck if you did, because a lot of times it was that fish like you were spearing, and we weren't ready for that. Hey, Dr. Terry, we've got to take a break. Is there any way we can talk to you and stay with us a little bit longer? Of course. All right. Hey, you're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Stay tuned. Dr. Terry Moss, free driver and spear fisherman extraordinaire, will be back with us. Captain 
Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Standy and Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Hey, our special guest tonight is Dr. Terry Mass. He's spear fisherman, free diver extraordinaire. But before we do that, you heard that uh, commercial for uh, Cedrus Island. The Ron Real Radio Gang, we're going there September 20th. we got a special rate. We're going to be visiting with uh, Jose and Melanie over there at the Baja Magic Lodge. We're going to get two and a half days of fishing. If you want to come aboard with us, just go to Ron Real Radio on Facebook or, you know, message us at ronrealradio.com. Come with us because it will be fabulous fishing. Hey, we have Dr. Terry Moss with us, and, and Dr. Terry, you know, in my younger uh, years, uh, I was a free diver. Uh, I won a few contests. Uh, uh, one of my biggest thrill was going after Red Coral in Kilakakua Bay uh, off uh, Hawaii, but, you know, I never had, you know, the endurance that I think you need to do what you do. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, what how long could you hold your breath over there, and, and how did you exercise doing that? Well, you bring up a good point about endurance. Uh, a lot of the areas I told you, rather than free free hunting uh, like we did this last couple of months where we, you know, jumped on foamers, normally we anchor on Tanner or Cortez, some of my favorite spots, and there's a current running, uh, and generally the stronger the current, the better the fish fishing but the problem is you've got to really swim hard just yeah. to stay in in position and so it's really hard to make a breath hold dive um and so in that instance you might make a breath hold dive of 45 seconds that could be a really long dive when you're kicking as hard as you can but in the calm waters of hawaii you mentioned yeah, and there's no current it's quite easy to make a two two minute dive so it, it just depends on the conditions in terms of conditioning, it's just a matter of um, 
calisthenics. I, I do uh, about 40 minutes of stretching and light weight work in the morning, and then I swim for half an hour in the afternoon. I do that about four days a week. Wow. You know, I remember uh, uh, one of my big problems is when you got to really clear water like San Clemente or uh, Catalina or even Hawaii, you were in such clear water, you kind of lost perception of what depth you were fishing. You'd go down, you'd be plunking around, you'd be looking under stuff, you'd be doing whatever you'd be doing. And then when you fail, when you find yourself kind of, you know, wanting a little oxygen, you'd look up and sunlight was a long way up there. So in clear water, you really had to, to watch out. And I'm, I'm sure when you were spearing fish and you got in the, you know, and the adrenaline of the catch, that probably happened to you, too. Well, unfortunately, it happens to, uh, you know, about 20 of our young people every year drown breath-holding. Um, they get better and better holding their breath, uh, and they get, uh, they just forget how long they're down. And blackout um, happens when the uh, blood oxygen to the brain gets to a, a limit where they lose consciousness. It happens very quickly. There's no warning. So one minute you think you're fine, the next minute you're in trouble. Um, that's why I developed a, a, a safety vest for breath hold divers. Um, divers, when they're sane and on the surface and not chasing big fish, put a time in and they put a depth in. And if they exceed either of those, the vest fires and brings them to the surface face up. You know, uh, between dives, uh, is there any exercise? Is there any type of hyperventilation that you do to reoxygenate your blood? You know, hyperventilation, actually, let's go back to just what, what a young person should do or anybody. Uh, they should take a class in breath hole diving. There's a couple of great institutions in the United States now with local Southern California support and, and learn, learn the basics and the dangers of breath hole diving. Hyperventilation, as you mentioned, um, it, practice to a minimum is probably okay. But uh, the problem with rapid and, and deep breathing is that um, the, it robs your body of carbon dioxide, and that's the gas that tells you to breathe. And so if you blow off so much carbon dioxide, you get a little dizzy uh, maybe, and then you make a dive, your brain's not telling you when you should come up because you fooled it by depleting your carbon dioxide, and that puts you in a very risky, very risky zone for blackout. So uh, you want to avoid extensive hyperventilation. Now, you know, we were talking a little bit about your younger years, uh, uh, Terry, uh, but you have literally traveled all over the world. Can you tell us about some of those experiences and places that you've gone to that have been uh, just, you know, places like you ju it's just hard to explain what they're like. Yeah, a couple of years ago, about three years ago, I went to New Zealand, um, and I, I just got to tell a story because this is really what our sport's about. There was this submerged reef about 30 feet under the water, and um, the conditions changed rapidly, but they had gotten pretty nice. And what I did was swim down 30 feet, about 40 feet, and there was a wall to my back, and the wall went straight down 1,000 feet. And I would, and the water was only about 30 foot visibility. There was a lot of these uh, blue mau mau and fish that that um, that tell you we're in a fishing zone. There were a lot of fish around me, and I would croak. It's a, a 
a sound like that under the water. And if you get in a thermocline, that sound resonates and goes a long way. That attracts fish. So I was hoping to get a big kingfish. That's our yellowtail. Um, there were 60, 80, 100 pounders there. Um, and so I was down about 40 feet croaking, and all the fish were coming closer and closer to me, and then they disappeared. Just in an instant, they went behind me. And behind, not far behind me was this, this pinnacle, about 10 feet behind me. So I'm staring out in the open ocean with my gun, knowing something huge is trying to eat those fish. And I expected to see a big yellowtail. And then just as soon as the, the six and eight pound Mau Mau disappeared, like a hundred thousand mackerel swam from the depths right by me, and it sounded like a freight train. They just went roared by me. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, there was just turbulence. They were so scared. And when they left, then I was staring out in the open ocean, still nothing. So I had an in intuition. I looked over my left shoulder, and all I saw was a big mass of fish with iridescent blue marks, and I knew it was a big marlin. So I brought my gun over my shoulder. I didn't even turn around. I just put it over my shoulder and pulled the trigger at the middle of it and uh, wound up getting a 280-pound uh, striped marlin, which is uh, <laughs> a, a, a good fish for New Zealand. That's pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about that battle because uh, – uh, I'm sure after you shot that fish, it just didn't go, okay, Terry, I'm coming home with you. It probably wanted to go in another direction. No, yeah, it was, that's t this was a typical battle. So you come up, and, and my floats, they're just skipping across the surface like a water skier. So uh, in order to get a world record, which we weren't sure if it was or not, you can't get in a boat. You've got to stay in the water, bring the fish up yourself. And if you need to shoot it again, you have to use a gun that you've cocked and loaded yourself. So I finally caught up. At least the boat could tell me which direction the buoys were in. I caught up with it and kept pulling and pulling. About an hour later, he came up enough, close enough that I could go down, or I tied him off on my buoy and used the second gun to, to uh, finish him off. So that's typically how we get, get big fish. Wow. Tell us a little bit about the gear that you're using today and how it compares to uh, the way it does. Or do you still take your old Perdonovich out and uh, fire that off every now and again? Well, I never really owned a Perdonovich gun. I just made my own, and it's the same gun I've been using since, you know, 40 years. Um, six bands. It's got a lot of bands, and it's a 3-8 shaft, a very heavy shaft, a real sharp point. And, again, it's connected to a float which is then connected to a couple of lifeguard buoys. The buoys have line embedded in them, so if the fish is strong enough to pull the first buoy down, it releases 150 feet of line before the second buoy goes down. So that gives you a chance to uh, grab on and manage your line, because otherwise both buoys will go down, and sometimes they'll go so, so deep they'll collapse and they'll never come up. So you, uh, you need to... You need to have that space of line. Well, you know, Terry, I know you probably like traveling the world to get all kinds of exotic fish, but what's your take on the uh, the grade and the type of fish that we've had right off our coast here for the past couple of seasons? Well, I'll tell you, the grade is that people from all over the world are coming here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was out a couple of weeks ago, there were acres, and you guys have all seen it, acres and miles 
of anchovies. I've got great video of those. Just a foot below that they're 30, 40, 50 feet deep, square miles of anchovies, and they hover just a foot below the surface. It's a beautiful sight to see. So I got that all videoed, but the tuna are prowling in 60, 80, 90, 100 feet of water on 20, and they'll take a notion and come up and just blast through that, uh, through those anchovies and, and make those wonderful foamers that we, that we saw. That, that might be going away, but two or three weeks ago it was, it was amazing. Uh, just amazing. Right. Uh, you know, is there, is there a shot that you've uh, made that you kind of wish that you didn't make and, and then vice versa? Oh, well, there's always the shots that you, you – you, yeah, I'll tell you the shot that, that – so 1983, I went out to, we went out to Cortez Bank, my friend Jim Mabry and I, and we were really explorers. You only had Loran at the time, and we, we went out there all on our little 25-foot boat, and the most amazing thing greeted us. We were in 30 feet of water, but you couldn't see the rocks. But it was very clear, but there was 10 feet of mackerel. Covering the bottom, ten feet. The last ten feet was mackerel, total mackerel, and in between them were bluefin tuna, shooting back and forth, and and that's when I got uh, a 98 pounder, which was the state record until last year. Thirty years it lasted. Wow. So later that season, Santa Barbara Island was really good for bluefin, and uh, this is the shot I'll you know I'll never forget. I was out on the, the very northwest corner. And there was a little kelp frond. I made it. Well, my friend Bill said, I saw three big 100. He said, I saw four 100-pound tunas. And uh, about 15 minutes later, I made a dive. And four 400-pound tuna swam by me. But they didn't swim really fast like you're used to. They, they meandered by. But I was so used to shooting ahead of them because you, you have to shoot ahead of them for their spear to even hit them. Yep. That I shot in the gill plate of this 400-pounder. And the gill plate on a 400-pound tuna is about an inch and a half thick, and it bounced off and put a big gash in that fish. And if it had been back just a couple of inches, I'd have got it. And a half hour later, I was still diving that same spot. They came by again, only this time they didn't come so close. And there was one that had a divot out of its gill plate. That's the fish I wished I'd got. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is an incredible. And... Even to this day now, obviously, and I'm not going to pin you down to a number, but we mentioned you've been doing this for 55 years. So uh, uh, you are a seasoned uh, uh, angler for sure. Uh, Do you still keep up the pace, or do you find old man time catching up with you? Well, you can't. I'm 71 years old. You can't, you know, (laughs) I'm not as good as fit as I was at 38, but... Um, I'm, I'm doing just fine. That 240-pound tune I got three weeks ago was was um, was good, and and uh, we got a bunch of yellowtail at Santa Barbara Island last weekend, so I can still make the uh, minute and 15. Any any willer want you to go back and dive at Guadalupe? You know, go on, yeah, yes and no. What happened is there was a regime change there, as you guys know. There's yellowfin there now, yep. but they're about 100 pounds. Big, big yellowtail. Our world record yellowtails for spearfishing comes from there. But um, I understand that there's a that's, that's a semi-biosphere now, and I, I, I don't know the rules, but I don't think it's as easy to spearfish there as it used to be. 
And, no, and there's uh, more white sharks now than there were before. Back well, when you didn't so see as many. Why there's more white sharks is that scuba boats go down there and feed them. They're yep. not dumb, and so when they hear a motor come up, they're 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 on you. And the same thing is on Australia, where they they feed white sharks. It's it's very dangerous to swim in those areas because they're just collected there. They're they're smart fish. Well, you've had a chance to fish all up and down the Pacific Coast, but is there, is there a place on your bucket list or a place that you've been to that you'd say, hey, I, I've got to get back there again? Well, I'm going back there next July. The Revejo Gajeda Islands are probably yeah. the, best, uh, the best for marine life, in, one of the best in the world. Uh, they're 250 miles straight south of Cabo San Lucas. takes a day in an eight-knot boat to get there. But uh, there's a boiler that's got manta rays that come by. There's yellowfin tuna. There's bazillions of sharks, uh, wahoo everywhere, and uh, and big tuna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and big tuna. If you're spearfishing the Rosiaheros Islands, you know you get down there, Socorro. You know that they got we. You can't go down and, and sport fish down there anymore, but the guys can go dive and, and spearfish those islands. Um, those, you, no, those you're not are, allowed to spearfish. You can't take any fish there. No? No, you can't spearfish. Ah, that's changed. I knew for a while that they were sending dive boats out there and they were spearfishing them, but that was, that's been a few years no, back No, ever since that became a biosphere about 15 years ago, nothing's allowed, no take. Some guys None. will go in and talk to the commandants and get permission to shoot a fish for dinner, but you're not allowed to spearfish uh, anything there, just like you're not allowed to angle it. Hmm. Too bad that was good stuff while it lasted. You know, Terry, yeah. I, I know you're a spear fisherman, but uh, do you ever get the urge to go down and pluck a lobster or pop an abalone when you're down there? Well, Northern California, I, I got all the abalone I could eat. And lobster, it, I'll tell you, here's the problem with lobster. you got to... I don't like using a tank, so I do it breath hold. You only have a short amount of time. Sure. You've got to jam your hand in the hole real quick and try to catch them before. And there's sea urchins in those holes. And I ran the sea urchin through my finger so deep oh. that I could, couldn't even hurt so bad. I couldn't cry. I couldn't even hardly breathe. And so that cured me on lobsters. Plus, I'm not – look, bluefin tuna are the best. That's, the, <laughs> that's my favorite. You can't – you know, a lobster is just – Nothing. You know, you know, and maybe for the next few years it might be nothing. So we've got to take advantage of the bounty while it's here. Right. Now, Terry, you said you have some videos, and then you also talked to, about a product that you developed. Just tell us a little bit about that and, and how we can uh, maybe get a hold of you, find out about this product, and uh, also uh, uh, see your videos. Well, um, I wrote a book on spearfishing, Blue Water Hunting and Spearfishing. It showed, sold 20,000 copies, and I'm redoing that in digital. Uh, and what's nice about the digital, you get to see all the, uh, the print media, but then you can link to video files. Um, and I've got uh, one video I linked to. I was about eight years ago now, I guess. Um, I was down in Cabo in this magnificent run of uh, striped marlin happened and i got uh, video of them it was about um two and a half million people have looked at that video ever since but i don't sell it it's just there to look at um 
And I learned a lot of things about interesting about fishing, too. Uh, a lot of those fish were hurt really bad by anglers. Okay, so in the past, have you seen, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys catching these big fish and they get broke off and everything like that. Have you actually uh, witnessed uh, lures and line and everything like that uh, trailing behind fish? Yeah, you know, and it's really sad. Uh, I saw it the Reveo Gajetas. I saw, I've got video of a 50-pound tuna towing only 30 feet of line. And, um, and it's, but that line starts collecting sea life on it, and it gets to be a big anchor, and it slows them way down. And they get big sores in their mouth where the hooks are supposed to rust, but they don't. Um, but, it, but during that, uh, that striped marlin run, unbelievable. Some guy bragged, oh, I got, we caught, caught and released 86 marlin in one day. But I saw a lot of those fish, and they were had broken line. They were sick. They were sinking. And, um, you know, that's not to say you can't catch and release. I think it's a great plan. But um, you, you can't. There's just stuff happens to those fish when they're, beat up so bad their fins get all whacked up bad when the line rubs across their dorsal fin and the lateral fins uh it really tears them up they survive it you know they most of the fish survive it but it's not it's not a benign thing all right well dr terry moss uh spear fisherman free diver gosh i could spend a couple more hours with you dr terry but i can't thank you enough for you know giving us some of your time on a Sunday night and, and talking about this wonderful experience that you've had over the past 55 years and sharing a little bit of, uh, of it with us. Well, I'd like to finish real quick by saying that the cooperation between divers and fishermen of Southern California during this bluefin tuna run has been amazing. A lot of respect for both of us, uh, a lot of helping each other, and uh, it, it's gone from hating and running over and throwing lures to cooperation. I really like to see that. I think the angling community and the freediving community has, has really done a great job getting together these last two years. All right. Well, Dr. Terry Moss, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, they want to find out more about what you're doing, uh, is there a way to contact you? Um, yeah, on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And, and you'll respond to questions and everything because there's got to be, are there more or are there fewer young people you think getting into free diving and spare fishing than there were? Oh, it's growing geometrically. Um, it's really a fast-growing sport. It, it, it doesn't take a lot of money to get involved with it, and, um, and it's very challenging. And, and what you see is so incredible. On the surface of the water, you get about one-tenth of the flavor about what's really happening. Right. Dr. Terry Moss, thank you for being with us, sir, and sharing your, uh, your life experiences with us and, and sharing some of your Sunday night. You're welcome. All thank right. You. Well, that's it for the U.S. Open, and I've got to tell you, you can tell by the way the guys were talking, the interviews, that it was definitely um, – a very hectic event, not only putting up with the weather, but the competition, 186 boats. But again, we want to give congratulations to Johnny Johnson from Lakeside, Arizona. He came in first place with 21.65 pounds. Second place, Clayton Myers from Henderson, Nevada. 
He was at 25-43. Third place, Andy Manhall from Mesa, Arizona. He came in with 24-11. And uh, Ty Ah out of Glendale, Arizona with 23-23. Some of the San Diego guys that did really well again. Wade Strelick, he finished in fifth with 23.08. And let's give it up to Mike Walsh. He finished in sixth place. He had 22.42, but he also had the largest bass of not only the tournament, but probably the largest bass that was ever caught at a U.S. Open. It went 7.76 pounds. And Mike, congratulations with that. Other guys that did really well from uh, the Southern California area, uh, Rusty uh, Zalewski from Alpine, he came in ninth place. Uh, you all know Sean Bailey. Sean Bailey, he's from Lake Haravasu. He came in 12th. Clayton Belden, 14th, from Fallbrook, California. Always up there, Neil Campbell. And in 21st place, Kyle Grover. He's from Angler's Marine. Kyle had a good tournament. You could hear that from the... Um, interview. I know he was just kind of uh, disappointed, but still a good showing. So everyone, I want to thank you for listening. We will be back next Sunday night on Rod Real Radio starting at 5.05 p.m. with another live show. I've just heard from Stan. He's back from a five-day trip on with uh, Bobby Taft on the Top Gun 80, and they loaded the boat. I'm out right now with Chuck Taft on the Legend on the Rod Reel radio trip, and we expect it to be a great trip also. We'll get back to you next Sunday night with information that we've gained ourselves on just how the fishing is. So on behalf of Stan, Wendy, and myself, Jorge and the AM540 Studios, Ben here in San Diego, and Ben, thanks a lot for putting these shows together. And always, in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McEwen, we want to thank you all for listening. Go out and get them. They are getting away. The fishing is as good now as we speak as it has ever been off our Southern California coast. So until next Sunday night, keep safe. We'll see you on the water. We're out for now. Mr. Satch and Mr. Cross, we gone fishing instead of just a wishing. Oh, yeah.